What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Engage 8 Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. Today, we're going to start getting to our post-NFL season content. We're going to cover some college basketball and some NBA basketball, some post-All-Star break sort of uh, predictions, stuff we like, some pretenders and uh, contenders as well. And yeah, we're going to get right into it. Josh, you want to get us started with some NBA? I will. It's late February. It's hoop season. Uh, first thing I want to say before we get into basketball is it's it's really, really, really hitting me now that we've lost the NFL. I found myself daydreaming about uh, Thursday night football, Steelers and Patriots. And like I was like, damn, damn for that. that was a great yeah, time. I'm, I'm not that far gone. <laughs> so I'm a little down bad. I mean, I love hoops so much, but just the feeling of you don't realize when you're in week eight and week nine how good you have it until you get out of the Super Bowl week. And then it's like, damn. Long time before then, but <laughs> we did get announced uh, that the NCAA football teams that are going to be in the game uh, for, what is it, July or August? We don't know yet, but I assume July. I think it's going to be July. But yeah, we got that announced today, so I guess that was a little treat. And then we got free agency in the draft and stuff coming up in the combine. So it'll be good to get back to that. We just have this little three-week period with no NFL. But we'll start with some NBA then. Uh, we're each going to go through four of our teams that we just like, just not our four best teams necessarily, just four teams that we like that we want to talk about here. Uh, we'll have a little overlap, but we'll have some differences. And then we're going to move on to studs and duds uh, for the NBA and then vice versa. We will do that for college basketball. So we're going to start with the Eastern Conference. I'll give my first two. Uh, my first one is the New York Knicks. They are 33 and 22, fourth in the East right now. And although this team is banged up, I think this is a team that they can finally start doing some damage in the playoffs with. Their addition of OG Ananobi wildly improved this team. I know he got hurt, uh, but they were great in the stretch with him. I will say, though, although they were really, really good in that stretch when they first got him, they were playing against bad teams. But regardless, you play who you play, and they dominated those teams through that stretch. Uh, they're top nine in offensive and defensive efficiency this season. The Knicks are. They can get it done many ways, and with OG Ananobi, they were one of the best defensive teams in the league, and they're going to be that when he comes back. Uh, so he's going to be out for a while. Julius Randle is also out, but I think he's returning soon for them. Uh, this team just has to stay above water till those two get back. Their best pl- player is Jalen Brunson. That's their second, third best player is Randle and OG. So if Jalen Br- Brunson can just hold it down for them, uh, they're going to be in a good spot, especially some of the teams around them. They got like Philly around them, who also doesn't have Embiid for probably the rest of the season, or at least the rest of the regular season. Uh, so they probably won't fall too much. Uh, but speaking of Brunson, he's been one of the best stories of the season. He's been great. Uh, his best year by far. He's really blossomed in New York. Uh, all-star this season, of course. It's just going to come down to, can he be a clutch time playoff performer? Can he go and take that last shot in the second round or the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals? Can he be the guy to go get that last shot and knock it down? We don't know because we really haven't seen it yet from him. But he's been one of the best guards in the NBA this year. He's a big reason why there's uh, high in the standings. Uh, assuming that Philly can still, with Tyrese Maxey, hang in there and maybe keep that four or five seed, that's setting up for a probable Knicks-Sixers matchup in the first round, which is a great matchup for the Knicks. I think the Knicks win that series pretty easily. Uh, so I look out for them there. Uh, they're one of my favorite teams in the East. Uh, another one of my favorite teams in the East, I have the Indiana Pacers. They are 31-25, and 25, sixth in the East. Uh, they started the season red hot. Uh, they struggled shortly after acquiring Siakam which I, I'm noticing in the media that's kind of like a, a storyline is, oh, they got Siakam, now they're starting to struggle. People aren't taking in, into consideration they got Siakam the same time that Halliburton was injury healthy, injury healthy. He was banged up. They didn't have him. 
He's their most important player. He is probably the best story of the season from a single player this year. He's been fantastic. One of the best guards in the league. No question. And he can definitely lead this team with Siakam and Miles Turner. This is a team that can do some damage. Uh, despite that tough middle stretch, the Pacers are still sitting at second in offensive efficiency. and But at the same time, they are fifth from last in defensive efficiency. So that is something that scares me about the Pacers. As great as they are on offense, they struggle on defense. Teams are going to score a lot of points on them. But once this team can get fully settled with Siakam, which they were doing pre-All-Star break, they were starting to put it together there right before the All-Star break started. Hopefully they can come out of the All-Star break now tonight and moving forward. I'm not sure if they play tonight on Thursday, but today and moving forward and really building what they have with Siakam because they can be a top-four seed. They can pass uh, Philly for sure. They can pass New York if the Knicks don't get Randall and OG back soon enough. So that'll be interesting. They're the ni- they have the 19th remaining strength of schedule. So that sets up for them as well. Better chance for all their guys to get comfortable playing together. And I think we're looking at two teams in the Pacers and the Knicks that can sneak up into that uh, three or four seed uh, range in the East and maybe do some damage. I completely agree with you. And kind of to add to your point, there are only three games of separation between the four and the eight seed in the Eastern Conference. I noticed that today when doing a little bit of research for this episode. So it kind of shocked me. So I tried picking my two teams within that range. My first team, unfortunately not in that range, but still a team that I've actually had a lot of uh, fun watching this year, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I ended up picking them to be, I believe, in my top three when we were doing our preseason predictions or just uh, analytics or whatever we were doing. Donovan Mitchell, he's been playing super well. Honestly, the last like four or five years, he's been putting up all NBA numbers in terms of efficiency, points. And actually, him and Evan Mobley have been averaging around 2.5 stocks per game, which if you don't know, that's steals and blocks a game. So seeing Spido really get a lot of steals, I think he's at like two, he's at 1.9 steals per game. And Evan Mobley's at like a block and a half a game. He's, they're both playing phenomenal on both ends of the floor. Mobley and Allen are averaging over 10 boards a piece. Lavert is averaging 14 points a game off the bench. So he's coming relief of, uh, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, especially Darius Garland with him missing a good majority of January and half of December with that injury he had a little while ago. And Garland himself, he's been pretty solid before the injury. He's still getting himself ramped up and going after the All-Star break as the games start resuming tonight, obviously. But they, they've been a really solid team this year, and I'm proud that I kind of made that prediction. And my second team is the Miami Heat. Partially because I'm just a huge Jimmy Butler fan. I have been since his time in Chicago. Uh, Mike, I'm sure you're still a pretty big fan of his as well. I feel like the Bulls regime didn't do him right when he was in Chicago. But talking about today, they've got four players that are averaging over 20 points a game. That's Terry Rozier, who they acquired, I believe, a week or so before the actual trade deadline. So he's had a little bit more runtime with the guys than other trade deadline acquisitions. Jimmy Butler, obviously, Bam, and then Tyler Hero. Hero, I believe he missed like the back third of the season last year because of one of because of that hand injury and then they just didn't have him for a good portion of that playoff run that they were trying to make and they're the seventh seed in that crowded east that I mentioned earlier and with a strong back end of the season they can really jump forward and maybe even get themselves out of the play-in tournament yeah the the one team I talked about uh speaking on Jimmy Butler uh he's still my favorite player in the NBA but the Chicago Bulls um they're not a contender they're not a playoff team they're not a good team um, but I just wanted to mention them uh, outside of Kobe white. This team is pretty much kind of a snooze to watch. They don't really have much going for them at all. Caruso's fun. Um, but at the same time, they should have traded him at the deadline. Instead, they decided to make zero moves like they have the past three seasons. 
Uh, they refuse to make trades, which is just ridiculous. Um, this team just is not good. Uh, it's time to move on from Billy Donovan. Uh, right now, they're the slowest team in the NBA in pace rankings. They average least amount of possessions. Uh, yet they are only third in assists at only 24.3. So they play slow. They don't get assist. Um, this team is just not good. 25th in estimated field goal percentage, 20th in net ratings. And they did absolutely nothing at the deadline to sell some of the pieces that they could have got for some younger talent. Uh, DeMar DeRozan could have moved on from Levine. It's unfortunate that he had to, um, have season ending surgery or opted to have season ending surgery. Uh, but this team really has nothing going for him. Uh, their biggest liability is that their owner's name is Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, he uh, at, got to his media guys and said he tried to make trades like he does with uh, every team that he owns. Said they were so close to making a trade to Kaminga uh, for Caruso possibly, but his team's just in a rough spot. They have really not much going for them, and it's just it's brutal. My first team in the West is my Phoenix Suns sitting at 33-22, and 22, fifth in the West right now. Currently playing uh, Luka and the Dallas Mavericks, who are red hot right now in Dallas. They're winning that game as we speak. We'll see how that ages when I go to edit this video tomorrow. Uh, but the Suns are finally healthy, sort of, because Beal is out again uh, with a hamstring injury. But uh, the big three has gotten to play together a lot as of recent. They're 14-8 and eight in 22 games with the big three. 19-7 and seven overall since Christmas, which... We all saw the Christmas game against the Mavericks. Suns lost pretty bad in that game for most of it. It was kind of a bad point in the season for them. They went under 500 in that game from to 14 and 15. But since then, they're 19 and 7. They're sitting at 33 and 22. They jumped from 16th in uh, offensive offensive efficiency to top 10 since Christmas. Uh, that has been a big get for them. They haven't moved much in defensive efficiency. They've still been hanging around that 12-13 mark. Uh, for most of the season uh, at the deadline, they got the addition of Royce O'Neal. Uh, it, it's a pretty big, small addition for them. He's going to play serious minutes for this team, serious playoff minutes for this team. He shoots the ball really well. He's an elite defender. He's a pretty solid passer. Him and KD have a great relationship going back to the Brooklyn days. Uh, he's going to be a big player for this team overall. He's a scrappy player. He's going to go out there and do the dirty things for this team. Uh, the Suns have a lot of great offensive playmakers and not enough of those type of players that they need. And having him and hoping that Josh Okogie can make a couple shots here and there, uh, those are the type of guys you need on this team. Grayson Allen, speaking of him, uh, he is 48% from three. That's most uh, highest percentage in the NBA. Everybody else from like two to like six or seven is in the 45s. He's at 48, so he's well ahead of the pack there. Uh, the question uh, of this team being built for the playoffs is not a question. There's a lot of teams that that is the question, whether they're having a great regular season. Can they go in the playoffs and have a guy that's going to make the shot? The Suns have at least two guys that are going to make the shot, and I think most of the time Brad Beal will be that guy as well. It's There's not many guys in this league I'm taking to take, taking to take my last shot than Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. There just isn't, and if I have those two guys on my team, I'm going to feel comfortable in most late-game situations. You just have to get there. Uh, the question just is, are they going to be able to get a decent enough seed where they're not playing so many road games for the entire playoffs? If they fall or stay there, stay where they are at five or fall to six, seven, or play in eight, whatever, that's going to be a problem, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to continue to play well. As long as they can stay healthy for the regular season and be healthy for the playoffs, they're going to be in a good spot. 
they had a lot of fourth quarter struggles for most of the season so far over the past month or so with the big three getting to play with each other consistently. They've been a lot better in the fourth quarter. They've had a couple of big comebacks. They had the big comeback against the Bulls. They had a big comeback against the Kings as well. Um, they've really figured it out in the fourth quarter. The problem is the top four in the West has been just locked at the Timberwolves, uh, OKC, Clippers, and Nuggets for a while now. Uh, but a strong end to the season for the Suns can get them in that mix. They're three back from, I believe it's the Nuggets and the Clippers, and they're like six back from like the Timberwolves. But um, they're still in that mix. The problem is they do have the toughest remaining schedule in the NBA. That's in part due to the fact that they're in the toughest division with the Clippers, the Lakers, the Kings, and the Warriors. It's just going to be a tough division. you got five of the, I don't want to say of the best teams in the West, but definitely the best division in the NBA. So that could be a problem for them. But overall, I still feel good about the Suns. So much shit has gone wrong this season so far, especially health-wise. For them to be sitting at five right now in the West, in a competitive West, makes me feel pretty confident. And I think they're going to get in the playoffs and make some shit happen. I still think they're one of the top five-ish contenders in the NBA. Um, but moving on to another one of those teams I just mentioned, I have the Clippers. They're 36 and 17. They're third in the West. I fucking hate the Clippers, but as much as I hate to say it, they're really, really good. And this is the first time where I've actually been worried about the Clippers because I just think they're a really, really good team. They struggled after the Harden thing. They had a rough stretch there, but after that, they hit their stride. They just never looked back. They've been phenomenal since. They went into Boston a couple weeks ago and just blew the doors off the Celtics, which... I'll get to them here in a bit, but they're an amazing team. Um, They are third in offensive efficiency, 13th in defensive efficiency. Although I don't think that this Clippers team has any top 10 players on their roster, they still have many former uh, superstars in this league. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, that's going to be a controversial one. Probably I know a lot of people think very highly of him still. Uh, I do think highly of him, but I don't think of him as one of the best 10 players in the NBA. Paul George. Sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's bad. Overall, probably pretty overrated. Uh, Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook. And then Harden's been pretty solid in his role so far with this team. Uh, but we've seen Harden check out in the playoffs many times. Um, I know on PMT they're talking about that he checks out just because there's no extra pay for the playoffs. So he feels like he already did his job and fulfilled this contract for the season. But uh, regardless, he's been pretty solid in his role. Uh, but they just have a lot of guys that are just like, they have Kawhi, who's great. Uh, if he could stay healthy, he's going to be a great piece for this team. He's obviously their best player. But then you have guys in Paul George, Russ, or Harden who could have the best playoff game ever or have an absolute playoff stinker. And that worries me a bit. Uh, if you can rack up a couple bad games from – I mean, Russ is – he's there, but he's not more important than Harden and Paul George. If Harden and Paul George are having some bad games, forcing Kawhi to carry, I think that could be a problem for them. But as long as they stay healthy, I think this is one of the best teams – uh, I picked these two teams because I think they're the two most talented teams in the West and the Clippers and the Suns. And I think it would be a just such a fun playoff matchup to see them go at it again. I think it would be three out of the last four years if they do, but I really like the Clippers and I obviously really like my Suns. I'm glad you mentioned the Clippers because they were, I think they were the one team out of the West that I had different from you two in my top four. So I'm glad that they're kind of pulling through with all the talent that they have, but to your point about the Suns being at the five seed, the team that I, the first of my two teams that I really like watching this year from the West is sitting at the seven seed in the Dallas Mavericks and the Suns and the Kings, the five and eight seed, they're only separated by a game and a half as of now. So we can get a lot of movement in there seeing a different play in team. Maybe some teams just getting a little bit of a breather moving up to the five or six. I personally think Phoenix, like you said, Josh, will probably move up, but to move on to the Mavericks, 
First thing I really like about them, it's Luca. Let's be honest. He's having an MVP caliber season. If I had to choose, he would probably be my MVP as of now. Believe it or not, he is the Mavericks are actually a better defensive team when he's on the court. You can watch him while they're playing. He seems a lot more engaged defensively on and off ball. He's actually hustling back after he makes a layup and maybe lands on the ground kind of funny. So he gets up, he hustles back. He's actually showing effort compared to years past. And I'm just very impressed. Them being only the seventh seed just doesn't make sense to me. They have a decent amount of talent. I feel like they've built the team well around Luka. And with Kyrie, when he's on one, kind of like what he's doing right now, I think he scored eight straight for the Mavericks as they're playing the Suns right now. If he can like go on an absolute heater when Luka isn't on the court, it just makes life so much harder for the teams playing the Mavericks because if you have two guys in Luka and Kyrie who are just on and they don't even have to be on the court together, you just got to have a lockdown on them at all times. It'll just make you work so much harder. They're a really good team with two superstars leading it, one of them being an MVP candidate who was leading the league in scoring, who dropped 73 points earlier this year. He's been phenomenal, and he's getting even better on defense. That's really why I love the Mavs this year. And shout out Milos, uh, this one's for you. Uh, I also really love the Thunder this year. First reason, Shea's having an MVP caliber season as well. He's probably my runner-up or third place behind Luka and maybe Jokic, like Josh is pointing to right now. He's a Kentucky boy, a little bit of a bias there, but it's really been awesome to see him blossom into a fringe top five player in the NBA over the last couple years. Last year, he made first All-NBA team over, I believe, Donovan Mitchell, and he was tweeting it out saying like, oh, the fuck out of here, and I don't blame him, but Shea has been really good the past couple of years. He doesn't plan on losing anytime soon, and he's finally got a supporting cast to help him out. Speaking of which, Chet, uh, he's been phenomenal as well. If he didn't miss last year, he would have been rookie of the year last year. He's proving it right now, and if he isn't in the same quote-unquote rookie class as Wemby, he might win it this year as well. And another second-year player for the Thunder, J-Dub. Jalen Williams, he's had insane efficiency this year. I believe he's shooting like 55, 45, and like 85 from the field. He's been phenomenal, extremely efficient. He's been a great co-star and a secondary scorer to Shea. Uh, I think they are just way ahead of schedule in terms of just uh, contending. And they're the two seed right now behind the Timberwolves, who I think we were all kind of shocked, shot up to that one seed as well. But that's why I really love the Thunder and the Mavs. I really hope we see a, a playoff matchup between those two MVP candidates and Luka and Shea. Yeah, I'm going to start by uh, just talking about a player who I love watching, um, and that is the rookie phenom, Victor Wembanyama. Uh, he has had uh, somehow almost uh, been better than the hype. He's averaging 20 points, 10 boards. Every week he continues to look better and better. He's shooting 46.8% in, uh, in 49 games. He leads the rookie class in points, rebounds, blocks, uh, is the only first-year player with four 30-plus point games this season. He's um, he's just been phenomenal. He leads the league in blocks. He's 10th in defensive uh, plus-minus, plus 2.3, and he's 15th in defensive win shares. He's a difference maker on both sides of the floor, um, and he's just been phenomenal. Uh, but the team I wanted to talk about here for the West mainly is the Warriors, a team that's been very underwhelming this season. Uh, I think I'd pick them to be in my top four, maybe at like my two or three seed, I think. Uh, I thought adding Chris Paul, hopefully Kuminga would take a step forward. Um, Andrew Wiggins would go back to what we saw when they had won the championship, but really none of that has happened at all. Uh, they've been very disappointing. They've missed Draymond for a lot of the season due to suspensions with um, his anger getting the best of him. Uh, Clay Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, honestly, I don't think he should have been suspended. I think he was fine. I think he. <laughs> NBA is just soft nowadays. Yeah, NBA is just punch, soft. Can't punch Nurkic anymore. Yeah, no, it's, it's whack. <laughs> um, when did we get so soft as a society? But um, Andrew Wiggins, he's been very disappointing this season. Uh, he was out. I think that was last season for personal reasons for a decent chunk of the season, and really ever since he's came back from that, he really hasn't been that big of a factor for this Warriors team. He's only averaging 12 and a half points per game. Chris, the addition of Chris Paul hasn't been great. He's averaging 28 minutes per game, 9.7.2 assists. Uh, seems like Curry has to play out of his mind every night. He's averaging 28. Um, he's a, he's a treat to watch. He's one of the greatest players of our time. It's uh, we're lucky to be able to watch him play. Um, but this Warriors team seems to be relying on him uh, ever since they have uh, won the championship. Two years ago, they are 71 and 64. So it seems like this dynasty might be over. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they've been playing a little better as of late. I'll give them that. But um, yeah, they've overall been very disappointing. Maybe when Chris Paul comes back, uh, they'll figure something out. But um, we can move on to some studs and duds for the NBA season so far. The Boston Celtics, of course, are my stud. They're 43 and 12, first in the NBA. They've been great all season. Uh, this team is just having one of the most insane seasons ever right now. They're 26 and three at home, which is just ridiculous. That's like some Spurs from 20, 2015, 2016 stuff. Uh, they're first in offensive efficiency, third in defensive efficiency. They're just an all around great team. Porzingis has been really good for this team when he's played. He's missed some games, and that's been a problem for them overall. Uh, but if he's healthy, they're going to be continue to just be a great team. The big four, the big four of Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, and Holiday. They're not the most flashy talent ever, but they play really, really well together. Drew Holiday just brings this team home as he's just a better version of Marcus Smart, which is what uh, Tatum and Brown have been dealing with for the past, their whole careers. Um, he's just a better version of them. Porzingis is probably the best big they've ever played with. Um, they're just really set to, I mean, who else would it be? Horford? They still are playing with him. Rob Williams is super good when he's actually on the court. Yeah, I mean, but he can't do what Porzingis can do. Porzingis stretches the floor, and he's got a bigger frame. He, so he, can, yeah, a, he, can, he can block shots. He's been a decent shot blocking this year. My biggest concern for this team is just the Tatum and Brown playoff flops that we've seen. There's been many times that they just look significantly better in the regular season than they do in the playoffs. But like I said, not I, I have written down here this may be the best team they've ever had. This is the best team they've ever had. Without a doubt, if they don't win it this year, I don't know what else they need. If they need to go out there and tr package Kristaps and Drew Holiday to get a third true superstar, then maybe that's what they have to do. But this team is so, so good. I find it hard to believe that they don't make it to the NBA Finals. And my dud is the Brooklyn Nets. They're 22-33, and 33, 11th in the East. A, a talented team like this with Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Thomas, uh, by my Nick Claxton. This is a really, really, really talented team and a lot of young talent. They should not be as bad as they are. Jacques Vaughn just got fired the other day. They're 19th in offensive efficiency, 21st in defensive efficiency. Uh, the only good thing for them is they're going to get a high draft pick, draft pick, but having the players they have leading to this little wins is definitely concerning. Uh, if this is going to be your core going forward, Cam Thomas is just such a stud, but is he a winning player? We don't know yet. It doesn't seem like it. Uh, and Mikhail and Cam are really, really good players. And, but I mean, look what it's led to looking. I mean, a couple months ago or not even a couple months ago, just like after the Suns lost last season, especially with how great 
Mikhail was playing down the stretch last season after the trade, it was looking like, damn, the Suns just gave up four first-round picks. What was it? Two swaps. And Cam Johnson and Mikhail for KD. But now you look at it, and it's like, yeah, those picks all are still there. Definitely still means a lot, even if those picks are going to be in the high 20s um, for all of them, most likely. Mikhail just isn't playing at the superstar level that he was playing at at the back half of last season after he got traded. He's just not playing at that level right now. And that's a problem for them, especially when they're trying to build around him. As great as Mikhail is, I think he can be a phenomenal number two, but I don't think he can be a number one option on a winning team. I just don't think that's the way he plays his game. He doesn't need to be the primary ball handler ever. He can hit the corner three. He's one of the best cutting forwards in the league, but that's all off ball. You don't need him to have the ball in his hands at the top of the key. And he's a phenomenal defender and you're going to get that out of him. So I think you can hold on to those two guys, draft somebody high, try to get that first option. You'll be in a good spot, but 21 and 33 with this talented of a young roster is uh, shocking to me. And that's why they're my dad. All right. So my stud, same as yours, Boston Celtics, they are 26 and three at home uh, coming out of the all-star break and they're the only team in the nba with single digit road losses everybody else has i believe 10 or 11 or more so they've been phenomenal no matter where they play and if they do finish as the one seed which i don't see how they get dethroned with how they've been playing this regular season being able to win at home in the postseason it's going to be huge uh and also looking at the roster like you mentioned porzingis uh he was one of my main points that i was going to bring up he's been having one of his most efficient and productive years just as a player because he's been one playing a lot and two he's just been productive and efficient tatum and brown they complement each other pretty well if brown can figure out that left hand in the postseason uh they can do some big things and like you mentioned drew holiday he's a tier above Marcus Smart, and he's really the glue that holds their entire defensive scheme together, especially with Derek White as well, who's probably could have been an all-star with maybe one or two more injuries, but he was very much deserving. He's been a very good uh, offensive player and defensive player at the same time. Uh, Circling back on Tatum, if he can be that number one guy, the bona fide number one guy, because it felt like last year during the playoffs, they bounced back and forth between him and Brown and they could never really get a, a clear rhythm going between the two of them. If Tatum can emerge as a clear number one, I think that's the best for the Celtics, and they can really do a lot of damage in the playoffs and just make it to the NBA Finals. Like you said, Josh, this is the best team they've had in a very long time, and if they don't make the Finals, you got to question where they go. Uh, I was actually thinking something different in terms of getting a third star. I'd trade probably like Porzingis and Jalen Brown for somebody like maybe an aging guy who still has a lot left in the tank, like Paul George, maybe because you don't want to get rid of Drew Holiday, who's just an elite defender and can really shoot off the ball while Tatum can be your number one guy and then get another versatile wing who can play defense like Paul George and go out and let him score as well. I mean, I think that'd be we're thinking way far in advance with that, but he could be a solid addition to really any team and especially a team like this where they have some solid depth and some pieces that the Clippers may like if they want to blow it up, if they don't go as far as they want to this year. And for my dud, uh, I'm just going to go with the entire uh, Chicago Bulls front office. You have over $60 million of salary being paid to Levine and Lonzo Ball where they're just not playing. And like Mike mentioned earlier, they have not made a single trade in the last three years. They've been dormant for the last three trade deadlines in free agency. They've made minor moves at best. Uh, Torrey Craig and Javon Carter were the two big ones this year, but they've been minimal impact at best. And it's just nice to see the emergence of Kobe White this year, but that's probably the only good thing you can take from this year. 
maybe Caruso, but he's been just off and on. He started off the year really well, shooting like over 42 or 43% from three, but, and he's obviously got his defensive impact, but outside of that, the bulls have been sad for the last few years, at least since Lonzo got hurt. So I, I've been saying it for the last couple off seasons, they need to blow it up. Uh, I hope they do this off season, but they probably won't because they'll be uh, on the boat of, Oh, Hey, Lonzo's going to come back. And when Levine comes back fully healthy, we'll be able to play like we did in the first half of the 2021 season where we were the number one seed for a really long time. And we were, I think half a game back of Miami going into the all-star break. So you just got to hope there's going to be change coming soon, but Jerry Reinsdorf just being really cheap and owning two teams, both in my city. Luckily for me, he only owns one of them. Sorry for you, Mike. It's just, it's really unfortunate that a cheap owner just, he claims he wants to win, but it doesn't look like it. No, he does not want to win at all. Um, Just to talk on Jay Reinsdorf again for just one quick second. Um, He's considering moving this White Sox to a uh, more downtown in Chicago instead of Bridgeport, which is where they currently are. Um, and he claims that they don't have enough money to keep up with these high market teams. Uh, oh, and they don't and they don't have enough uh, like fan revenue. I'm going to break some news to Jay Reinsdorf. If you have a good team, the fans will show up. Uh, the team that's going, especially trotting out there this year for the White Sox is terrible. But um, to get off that for my contender, uh, I have a team that you talked about, Zach, a little bit. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, after a rough start to the season, they've really found a great rhythm. They've looked very good recently. I don't see this as... Uh, how last year they fell off in the playoffs and really did not perform well. I think this year they will perform well in the playoffs. Donovan Mitchell has been phenomenal. Their defense has been very good all season. They're second in defensive rating. Teams struggle to score on them. Teams are only shooting 45% from the field against them, 35% from three. Uh, and they rebound the ball very well, top 10 in rebounds. Uh, they're second in opponents' assists per game. Their defense has been very good. Great job by J.B. Bickerstaff. Uh, but for my stud of the week, I do have, and this is something I really never thought I would say, the WNBA. Um, uh, I personally I really haven't watched the WNBA ever. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. I really don't prefer it. But with the emergence of a lot of stars, especially in college right now, we obviously, Caitlin Clark, Juju Watkins, Angel Reese. Women's basketball seems to have a kind of a bright future. Uh, All-Star Weekend, we saw Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu have a three-point contest against each other. And that was honestly maybe the highlight of all-star weekend uh she was phenomenal shot at 26 which would have beat or tied every single male competitor uh damien Lillard won with a score of 26 um unfortunately she had to go into the greatest shooter of all time steph curry who was just a robot from there and she shot from the nba line as well so uh what a impressive performance from her and for my pretender i have the los angeles lakers um you thought maybe at the start of the season they somehow won the in-season tournament, which maybe it seems like it was a fluke at this point. Um, this team really has struggled since. They haven't been very good. It's been mainly LeBron and Anthony Davis show there, and uh, LeBron's 39 years old. Um, it's unfair to put that much weight on him. Darvin Ham is very good at standing there and doing that same pose for about 48 minutes in the basketball game. They really don't hustle enough. They don't get many offensive rebounds. They have a negative net rating overall. Um, really, the only thing they got going from is the fact that they have LeBron James on their team, and he's a treat to watch every time he's on the court, off the court. He's one of the GOAT of all goats. Um, he's still playing elite level of 39 years old, generational talent. Royalty. Uh, yeah. Retirement tour is brought up to him. He said he's 50-50 on it. We know damn well LeBron's <laughs> having a retirement tour. Um 
I just can't wait to see what he gets on his retirement tour. That's going to be a great, well, it's going to be a sad, sad season, but it's going to be funny. I think the thing with the retirement tour that he might actually be torn on is because, you know, at the same time, he wants to be the guy that says it's his last year and then shocks everybody and comes back for one more. And if you do a retirement, yeah, if you do a retirement tour and you do that, that's shady. You can't do it twice. That's crazy. Dude, I don't. See, I don't see him coming back when he's like 42, 43. But you know he wants Depends the glory of everyone being like, "Come back, LeBron, come back." Yeah. And he's like, I, want, "I got one more in me." So <laughs> that's true. To see Brady do it. Well, I, I think what he does is he announces his retirement, pulls a Brady, comes back, and says he wants a retirement tour. So he that's, does both of that's them. That's his way he does it. Yeah, <laughs> that's does, actually yeah, that, probably that the most sense. likely outcome. <laughs> then he wouldn't look capped. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Shit. That's all I got for studs and duds. Uh, I'm ready to move on to college basketball if you guys are. All righty, yeah. Uh, you can get us started with some uh, sleepers here. Then me and you will talk about some good teams and then uh, that we like this season and then some studs and duds for college basketball as well. So you can start us off. Yeah, uh, before I get into that, I'll just say one headline real quick. Ohio State, um, pretty prevalent team in the Big Ten, I guess. Fired their head coach, Chris Holtman. A uh, couple big guys who are possibly looking to uh, be next in line for that Ohio State job. They were saying Dusty May, FAU's head coach, is interested. Sean Miller, sweaty Sean Miller, is also interested. So it'll be interesting to see who gets who goes to Ohio State this year. Um, but from some sleeper teams here, uh, first team I got, um, the Larry Bird, Alma Mater, Sycamores, Indiana State. Uh, Bracketology has them listed as a 12 seed right now out of the Missouri Valley Conference. They are just nastively nasty offensively. They average for 84.3 points per game, 11th in the country. They shoot 50% from the field, second best in the country. They're 31st in net, but will still most likely have to win the Missouri Valley Conference to still make the tournament. They don't really have many wins remaining in a season that can really improve their resume. They are one and three in quad one. Uh, three and one in quad two and 17 and one in quads three and four with that one loss coming in a rivalry game against Illinois state, the battle of the ISUs, uh, in the past week where they had one of their better players go down with an injury. So, um, they have a couple of studs on this team, Robbie Avila, Avila. Uh, he's a dog offensively, uh, respect the specs. He's great. He averages 16 and a half points per game. Uh, my favorite player on the team is uh, guard Isaiah Swope. He is an animal, averages 17 points per game. He's fun to watch. He's a shifty guard. Uh, he's the type of guy you do not want to see in March because he will hit shots late in games and just give your team buckets. Jason Ken is great. He's also a guard. He's listed as he's listed as a guard. He's six foot eight, averages eight rebounds per game. Uh, kind of a matchup nightmare for him. Thirteen points per game as well. They have five players on their team averaging over ten points per game. Uh, they're a team you really don't want to see in March. I feel like there's always a Missouri Valley. The Missouri Valley winner is always a team that uh, can be a popular upset pick. And I think if Indiana State gets in, I think that will be one of them. My second one, and this is maybe my favorite uh, sleeper out of all of these teams. Uh, the McNeese Cowboys. Uh, Will Wade is their head coach. Uh, if that name rings a bell, he was LSU's head coach in recent years. He had some great teams. He was fired for uh, level one violations. Uh, I don't really know what the violations were, but he's him, now at him, Mc... and, uh, him and Sean Miller, the the two pioneers yeah. of that era. <laughs> yeah, um, he's at McNeese State and he has this team rolling. Uh, this team is great defensively, really. Teams only shoot 37 against 37 percent against them. They average 10.8 steals per game. I was watching highlights before this against Michigan, and they just seem to 
turn them over almost every time down the court. It was crazy. Teams averaged 16.6 turnovers against them, which is one of the top in the countries. And offensively, they can score the ball great. They average 80.4 points per game, shoot 49% from the field, which is 10th in the country. They shoot 40% from three. Uh, and they just look very uh, well organized. They're led by senior guard Shahada Wells. He's averaging seven points, five rebounds, five assists. They have a big man, Christian Shoemate, who has uh, been dominating as an undersized big man. He's only 6'6", but he plays a lot bigger than that, averaging 10 boards, 12 points. Uh, we had a very good game against Michigan. They're 1-0 and in quad one with a win over VCU. 2-2 uh, two and two in quad two with wins over Michigan and UAB, and then a 16-1 and combined versus the rest. Uh, they would have to win the Southland Conference to get in. Uh, they're projected as a 12 seed. I would expect them to, and whatever team has to play them, I'd view them as a very scary team. Yep, uh, I like all those as possible upsets from Arch Madness. That would be fun. Um, starting off with a couple of my favorite teams. Um, I'm obviously going to start us off with my boys, the Kentucky Wildcats. Sitting at 18-7 and seven on the season, ranked 17. Uh, just lost last night in a heartbreaker to LSU on one of the luckier final plays you're ever going to see in a basketball game, but... That's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, five of uh, the eight Kentucky losses have been by five points or less, and they had leads of 14, 6, 10, and 15, and four of those five uh, losses by under five points. So they've blown a lot of leads uh, and lost games close, and that's been really the story for this team this season. This is the best offense Kentucky uh, a Kentucky team has had in the last 30 years. You have to go back to the 92-93 season to find a team that is – as good offensively as, as this Kentucky team, that team lost in the final four to Michigan uh, that year. This team has played about 10, I think it's 10, 15 minutes with a full team all season. Uh, it was in the Ole Miss game uh, about a week and a half ago. That was the 24th game of the season. First time they had all their scholarship players uh, active at one time. And then Trey Mitchell got hurt early in that game. And then that kind of ixnayed that a little bit. He's still out with a shoulder injury. Hopefully he comes back. Veterans like him, Trey Mitchell and uh, Antonio Reeves, just have been so good for this team for calming them down, keeping everything in order. And they complement guys like DJ Wagner, Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards, who are just some electric freshmen that they've had this year that build this just very, very explosive, but explosive in a way where it can all blow up at once kind of team. This is a team that, if they go out there and they play their best offensive ball for six games and they play okay defense, they're going to be holding up a trophy in April. They just will be. It's can they do that for six games in a row and be consistent and be able to finish games out when they have to. That's going to be the question here. Sophomores and Aduthiero, Uganda and Nanso, they have been huge for giving this team toughness that they needed so badly. Onyeso came in late in the season. Aduthiero missed a ton of games with a back injury in the middle of the season. Uh, just adds to the full go of injuries for this team. Wagner missed some time. Dillingham missed some time. I think the only non-Kentucky players uh, who are who have an impact on this team that haven't missed multiple games are Reed Shepard and Antonio Reeves. They played every game so far. They've been huge for this team. Uh, they've been better on defense as of late. Uh, they were very bad early on on defense. They were letting like seem like 80 points a game going. Now they're starting to lower that a little bit. I think they're sitting at like 76, which still isn't great, but they've been a lot better over the past couple weeks or so. Uh, this team is just so elite at limiting turnovers 
and being able to score the basketball. I mean, you like guys like Rob Dillingham are coming off the bench, and he's about to go be a top ten pick in the draft next year. He's phenomenal as far as just strictly talent wise, um, not performance wise, obviously based on how the seasons went, but just talent wise and having so many guys that are going to be drafted in the first round, it does remind me of the 2014, 2015, 38 and one team with so many guys that are even coming off the bench that are going to be first round picks. We saw Devin Booker came off the bench at Kentucky for a while. Tyler Ulis, who was a second round pick ended up kind of uh, fizzling out in the NBA, but one player of the year or point guard of the year, the next year he came off the bench on that team. We're seeing that where you have uh, more substitutions very often. You don't have your best players starting the game. Uh, always. You got even guys like Aaron Bradshaw and big Z who are just super talented Bradshaw probably won't be a first round pick now, but Big C missed most of the season with violation or violations, visa issues, uh, getting into the NCAA. They kind of took their sweet time with that one. It was some bullshit, but um, he came back, has only played a couple games, and he's going to be a first round pick. Uh, maybe Bradshaw stays another year. He was a projected top 10 pick before the season. So they have so many guys that are just elite that all it takes is just putting it together and. If they go and win this SEC tournament, I honestly think they're going to be a team that a lot of people pick to go to the Final Four and maybe win the whole thing because it's very possible. They just have to finish this season strong. They got a couple tough games left. They play the last game of the regular season at Tennessee, which is a huge game. You win that game, you go on a little run in the SEC tournament, you don't even have to win it. You go on a run and you maybe lose in the finals, and you're sitting at, okay, we've won now six of our last seven, and we beat a lot of good teams. We have a chance to go on a run now. And I think confidence and just playing hard on defense is going to be everything for this team. And I might be biased, but I still see them as a strong, strong contender for the final four. Uh, Another team I have here is Arizona. They're 20 and five. They're ranked fourth. They've been highly ranked all season. Their only three losses are three conference road games. uh, And then FAU and Purdue are their total of their five losses. FAU and Purdue. Purdue's a very, very good team. FAU is an up and down, pretty good team. And then three conference road games like that. We've seen it all year this year. These highly ranked teams are going on the road. It doesn't matter who they're playing. These road conference games, they're just not winning them. And we've seen that with Arizona for a little bit, so you can't really hold that against them. Um, They're sixth in offensive efficiency, 17th in defensive efficiency, third in net rating. Uh, They're just one of the best teams overall. Uh, You go and get a guy like Caleb Love from North Carolina in the transfer portal last year to add to a team that was already a two-seed in the tournament last year. They lost to Princeton, a 15-seed early on, but that Princeton team ended up being pretty nice, to be honest. Um, but they're in a good spot now to retool after that tough loss last year. Uh, we've seen teams bring back a lot of guys after a tough early loss. We saw it with uh, Virginia a couple years ago in 2019. We saw it. We're seeing it with Purdue right now. Uh, teams that are were very very good lost a bad uh, early game in the tournament and then keep most of their guys. Maybe add a player like they're adding Caleb Love, who's been one of the best players in the country this year, and then make a good run. Uh, Bilo's been great for Arizona for a few years now. He's a good veteran presence, still on the roster, huge center, just a big body enforcer that's going to be huge in in March. Uh, Pelly Larson's been a great third scorer for this team. He's a great three-point shooter. He's a great third option uh, on this Arizona team who's already been one of the best offensive teams in the country. And when you when you could be with so many teams in college basketball, you'll have so many teams that are top five in defense or top five in offense, and then they're in the 70s or 80s and in defense and offense, and you take that because you'll take being top 10 in anything. But when you can have a team that's top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency, that's just huge in March, and that's why I think Arizona's poised to maybe go on a little run here.
Yeah, they are very good. Um, one more sleeper team I have is High Point. Bracketology has them listed as a 14 seed um, out of the Big South. Uh, only one game against a quad one team. Uh, they are 0 and 1 in that quad one game, but they have some dogs on their team. Duke Miles averaging 18 points on 54% shooting. He's been very good. Juslin Bodo Bodo has been a very good, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, freshman out of Cameroon, seven foot. He's averaging 10 boards a game. He just has the knack to find the ball off the boards. Uh, and he's still a freshman, so he has a lot of uh, potential. What this team does better than any team in the country is get to the free throw line. They average the most free throws per game with 27, and they make the most free throws per game with 21. Um, they're probably going to have to win. The, they are going to have to win the Big South if they want to make it, but I expect them to win the Big South. And now some teams I think are very good that I'd like to mention. Uh, both of them are ranked first here, the 21st-ranked Washington State. Uh, speaking of Arizona, like you had just mentioned, Josh, tonight, uh, I know this uh, podcast probably come out on Friday or Saturday, but here Thursday night, big game, Washington State at Arizona, a game that might decide the winner of their Pac-12 in the regular season here. They're right now tied. Um, Washington State, uh, the winner of this game is in sole position of first place. Arizona is 13-0 and at home this season, coming off of a 45-point win against Arizona State. And everything Josh just said is true. Uh, this team is very good, especially offensively and defensively. Um, but what Kyle Smith has done at Washington State has been very good. They were projected 10th at the start of the season to finish in the Pac-12, and here they are fighting for possibly first place. They are led by guard Miles Rice, 6'3", averaging almost 16 points per game. And big man Isaac Jones, who I'm a big fan of, is averaging 16 as well. Eight boards, shooting around 60%. This team has um, been one of the surprises so far in college basketball, and they're looking to continue that. Uh, they could steal the pack. They're 32nd in net rating right now, four and three in quad one, four and two in quad two, and 12 and one in quad three and four. So they have a pretty good resume, and they have a chance tonight to really um, boost that resume and boost themselves in the top 15 ish. Uh, and my second team here is big BYU, Brigham Young. Um, big win against Baylor a couple nights ago in the Big 12. Uh, Baylor's the number 11 team. Uh, now BYU is 11th in net ranking. They're seven and six in a very good Big 12. Right now, they're projected around a five or six uh, seed. They're 19 and seven overall. They're led by senior Jackson Robinson. He's their leading scorer. He's moved around uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas. Um, but he's found a home here at uh, BYU, averaging 14 points per game. This team is very balanced scoring-wise. They have five guys averaging at least 10 points per game, uh, two more averaging nine points per game, and a couple averaging six. Uh, they're four and five in quad one, 12 and 0 versus quad three and four. Uh, they're a very good team. And uh, they're another team I think I could see making a little run in March Madness. Yep. My next two teams here I'll start with. I previously mentioned them, Purdue, 23-3. and three. They're ranked three in the country right now. They've been great all year, just like Arizona. Only three losses, and they're all road conference games. Just spoke on that. It's a thing that just happens. You just kind of, kind of shrug that off. We have teams with five losses in the top five right now at this point in the season, and that's just what it is, at least for a lot of these teams. Um, that I mean, road losses in conference has never been a thing that hasn't been a problem in college basketball. It always has been for these top teams. But the fact that every single team is dealing with it is helping all these teams out greatly. Purdue is third in offensive efficiency, 66th in defensive efficiency, second in net ratings. That's more of what I'm talking about with, I mean, Purdue's a fantastic team, just as good as Arizona. They beat Arizona, but they're 
not even top 60 in one of defense or offense, which you just see a lot, even among the great teams. Um, they're nine and three in quad one, seven and oh in quad two. Uh, they've dominated, they've beaten a lot of really, really good teams. Like I just said, they beat Arizona. Zach Eady gonna win back to back wooden awards. Uh, he's basically a lock at this point. He's been minus a thousand for a lot of the season, and he's just gonna do what he has to do to win this. And Purdue's gonna be a top seed almost essentially. Uh, Lance Jones, he's come in for Purdue and just been a fantastic player. He seems like a really big moment guy to me. He seems like he can be a guy that takes that last shot because uh, you you deal with that when your best player is the center. Um, I've known it when we had Oscar Shibwe at Kentucky for back-to-back years being our best player. It's who do you go to for that last shot if your best player isn't a guy that's going to go out there and step out and take a three for you. So Lance Jones, I feel like he can be one of those guys. Smith and Lawyer have not massively improved from last season, but they've definitely matured. They're a lot more comfortable out there. They're just as good as players as they, as they were last season, and I think they can still be great March impacts for this team. We didn't really get to see what they could do in March because they got bounced so early. Um, if this Purdue team can't at least get close to Phoenix, I don't know what's going to because this has to be the team for them that gets to that Final Four and gets over that hump, or at least to the Elite Eight, something like that, but they have to get to the Final Four. Second team here. A little bit more of a lower key team among the great teams here. Florida Gators, they're eighteen and seven. They're ranked twenty fourth. Uh, they are a pretty sneaky team. They have a ton of dynamic players, though. They just got ranked for the first time this week. Uh, getting into that top twenty five, sitting at twenty four. They're twenty fifth in offensive efficiency, and they do struggle on defense at times. But they're just such a they can be such an electric team that we see. When I think of these March teams that are already good teams, the like the, the 9s and the 10s and the 11s of these power conference teams, my thing I look for the most is dynamic guards, and this team just has plenty of dynamic guards. Zion Pullen, Walter Clayton, Riley Kugel, just a bunch of dynamic guards that are playing against a great SEC this year that has, I believe, five or six ranked teams right now. It's They have a lot of ranked teams right now. The SEC has been pretty solid this season. Uh, for the Gators, all of their losses are uh, in quad one. So you, they got that going for them. They haven't had a really bad resume loss yet, which is going to be great coming towards March. Those quad one losses are, for a team like them, it's uh, not as impactful as it is for other teams. Um, They're 29th in the net, so they're getting a lot of respect in the net too. We see a lot of these teams get up there and get 24th or 23rd or 22nd in the AP poll, and they're way down there in the net. They're getting a lot of respect in the net as well, which is a great sign for them. Uh, I could see this team sneaky, uh, getting hot with their guards. Like I said, the electric guards are just everything in, in March and being like a sneaky second weekend team. Yeah, a team with very good guards that guards that I love, uh, the Houston Cougars. They are my favorite team in college basketball right now. First in the net ranking, first in the Big 12. They're 23-3, and three, and like you mentioned, Josh, three of their losses, all road games, all conference games. So... That seems to be the trend, like you said. This team's guards are incredible. LJ Cryer and Jamal Schneid are one of the best backcourts in the country. Uh, they're also the best defensive team in the country, without a doubt. Only give up 55.3 points per game. They average 10 steals per game, which is seventh in the country. Teams only shoot 37% against them, which is best in the country. They're 9-3 and three in quad one. And like I just said, all those losses, road, conference games, 14-0 uh, versus the rest. Um this team is very good. The way they attack screens, college players really aren't equipped for that type of pressure, considering how athletic they are as well. They also really don't turn the ball over, which is very important when it comes to March. Only 8.7 turnovers per game. This team is just, I think every year they kind of, you look at Houston, they're, they haven't really been a, a 
a power five team. Now they are, and you kind of don't know what to expect from them. Now here they are dominating the big 12. They're going to be a one seed. And I think they're going to make a big run and possibly win a championship. Um, second team here. I just wanted to mention them as well. Uh, it's a team that plays very good when they decide they want to play good, but there's games. They just don't show up. And that's Michigan state university. Um, they're 17 and 10, nine and seven in the big, big 10. Uh, they're only three and eight in quad one, six and two in quad two, but they have no bad losses, really. Uh, eight and zero versus the rest. When their guards show up, they play very well. Tyson Walker is one of the best scorers in the country. A.J. Hogard can be a great scorer going to the basket. His shooting struggles have really hurt this team, uh, the team this year. He uh, has moments where he can shoot. Malik Hall is the main factor outside of Tyson Walker that gets this team going. Recently, he has been very good for them, and as a whole, the team has been playing very good. Uh, the biggest issue with this team, which is something you don't expect to, from a Michigan State team, they're known to be rebounding teams with very good big men. We've seen Xavier Tillman, Draymond Green, Adrian Payne, just to name a few. Um, they don't have that this year. We saw uh, last year, Matty Sissoko was okay at the start of the year. He's phenomenal. I know, Josh, you remember that Kentucky game? Him and Oscar Shibay were both having great games going back and forth in that thriller. Oh, yeah. He was great against Drew Timmy. Uh, but this year, he just has not been it. Um, hasn't been good offensively. Defensively, he looks lost guarding a screen. Uh, teams seem to know how to exploit him on both sides of the court. Carson Cooper hasn't been much of an upgrade from him. Uh, he has his moments where he plays well, but overall, he hasn't been great. Jackson Kohler, he's been their best option as of late. He's coming back from injury. He had been hurt for a since I think uh, he finally came back in January from a foot injury. But this team needs their big men to step up if they want to make a run in March. And if they want to make it to March, they cannot afford any bad losses. They have a big game against Purdue coming up. That'll be a, a fun game, but this team has to figure it out. You don't expect to see this from a Michigan State team getting out rebounded. Uh, your bigs aren't running the court. Uh, just disappointing to watch. All right. We'll finish it up here with some studs and duds. Uh, quickly, my stud. UConn Huskies, 24-2, ranked first. They've been phenomenal. Sixth consecutive week of number one for the defending champs, although they're going to lose it this week uh, after losing to Creighton on the road big uh, last night uh, or two nets ago. Uh, going back-to-back would fully cement this UConn team as a blue blood if they aren't already. Uh, I think they're in that fringe there with like Villanova and them. Uh, a little ahead of Villanova probably, but this one would for sure put them in there. Tristan Newton leads this team in scoring, assists, and rebounding. He's just been phenomenal. He's going to be a stud in March. I cannot wait for the world to be fully put on to him uh, because even though UConn's so good, I feel like he, UConn just hasn't really had any of those players in the past couple of years that have been fully media attention, but they'll figure it out come March here. Hurley just has these boys ready, and they've been super impressive through February now, and they are probably, I would say, the favorite to win right now with uh, Houston and Purdue. I'd say Houston's probably the number one favorite right now, but UConn's right there behind them. And then for my dud... I got the Arkansas Razorbacks, 13 and 13. They were a preseason top 15 team. They've had an absolutely brutal year. Uh, the SEC has been bad, but they have been really, really bad. Devontae Davis, Devo Davis was supposed to be a big player for them, but stepped away from the program uh, after a tough start to the season. About I think right around uh, conference play, starting a couple games in the conference play, uh, he stepped away from the team. Uh, just wasn't ready for it, I guess, and it was just a disappointing thing for them. Uh, you know it's bad for Arkansas when Bud Walton Arena can't just win them games out of nowhere, and they just haven't been able to this year at all. Going from top 15 to needing an auto bid to the tournament 
is just brutal for them, and I'm sure they'll bounce back, but tough year from us. Yeah, my stud, um, again, I guess there's a trend with my studs this week. My stud of college basketball is Caitlin Clark. Uh, she's the biggest star in college sports right now. Uh, she broke the women's college basketball points record with a contested logo three. She's going to break the college basketball scoring record anytime now. Uh, she's a stud uh, selling out arenas. Tickets are like $1,000. Uh, it's very good for the sport. And my dud as of recent is Wisconsin. They've really been on a rough patch recently after a very good start. They were battling to win the Big Ten with Purdue. I think they lost three of four. Uh, Chucky Hepburn hasn't played great recently. A couple of bad losses, including Michigan, which is a team you do not want to lose to. They're terrible. Uh, but some other losses to Nebraska, Rutgers, and Ohio State has uh, pretty much dropped them out of the race to win the Big Ten with Purdue. Uh, Purdue pretty much has it by themselves now with Illinois losing last night to Penn State. So um, I have Caitlin Clark as my stud and Wisconsin as my dud. And shout out Nebraska as a stud. I should have mentioned them in an earlier thing, but they've been very good this year. Uh, nice to see that program has struggled a lot recently. So, Yep. Um, that about does it here for our NBA and college basketball talk on this episode. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk more. Uh, college basketball and NBA, any stuff that comes up over the next week or so as far as uh, NFL, if there's any headlines, any big uh, signings or cuttings or anything uh, going forward here, we will uh, discuss that on future episodes. Uh, until next time, though, follow us on all of our links in the description, Twitter, Spotify, TikTok, all of that good stuff, and we'll see everybody in the next one.